0: You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics.
1: Nobody else sells out their stadium, We're very few sell out their stadium, so we can't go out and uh, not play a game. Um, 80, 87,000 Nebraskans are gonna show up to watch us play, and we owe we owe it to them to play a football game. So I don't think we'll ever go down that road because of support we get and the unbelievable amount of fans that show up at our spring game.
2: I was like, you know, we're gonna come out. I've been in some spring games before. We came out of that thing last year, and I think all the coaches kinda got a little chill. That was pretty cool. Um, I'm gonna be ready for it, but I'm telling all the recruits, I'm like, we gotta get you here for the spring game. We gotta get you here for the spring game because I always want them to witness a game day atmosphere and I can't tell the difference between Saturday, April 15th and September 9th or whatever. So I wanna get those people, those families here so they can see what Nebraska is all about, so they can see what the fans are all about, the best fans in college football and what it's really like to be in Memorial Stadium in Lincoln Nebraska
1: on game day. I'm looking forward like I said I'm looking forward to come out and, and seeing the fans, you know, I love to be able, I love to see these fans, and awesome best fans in the country. So I'm looking forward, I'm looking forward to seeing that. Um, but also but, but I'm also looking forward to seeing the guys go out and, and have fun. They're putting a lot of blood sweat and tears this spring and um, done everything we asked them to do. And welcome
3: here to this pre-red-white edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus as Nebraska will kick it off 1 o'clock. It's a live BTN television broadcast. It's been a while since Nebraska's gotten the good BTN live window. I think last year they had an 11 a.m. live window. This year they get the 1 o'clock prime spot. Uh, I think the rest of the country's finally caught on. Nebraska's spring game is worth giving a good spring game television spot to as Lots of games will take place here on Saturday, by far the busiest day, but Nebraska gets one of the better windows uh, to showcase a sellout crowd. And, guys, it's it's, it's remarkable when you just think about – I've watched a lot of spring games on TV the last two weeks, and it's a joke. I mean, there's there's nobody there, nobody. And Nebraska is going to have the game sold out. I mean, when you think about it, just the opportunities it gives the program going forward.
4: Yeah, I mean that's kind of one of the things that separates Nebraska from most every other program in the country is its fan support, and uh, it's really uh, incomparable. I mean, what what Nebraska fans do for every sport. I mean, it's not just football, but basketball, volleyball, all that. That uh, they they get on board with teams and with you know kind of the momentum behind Nebraska. They have sold out two straight spring games. You know, within hours of tickets being on sale, uh, and so you know, Frost uh, earlier this week was asked about. Uh, You know, the the idea of other schools kind of just either paring down their spring games to just kind of inter-squad scrimmages uh, or canceling them all together, he said, we'll never do that. and There's no way we ever could do that.
3: Iowa does like this the practice.
4: Yeah, they open a practice to the public.
3: I'm sorry, I don't want to be the throw shade at Iowa guy, but I'm going to throw shade at Iowa here um, because I think they know that nobody would come, so they cover their butt by like, not making it a spring game.
2: Well, you can't lose if you don't play, and so they're not <laughs> gonna—they're not gonna, they're not gonna but, have a. But spring Iowa guy, will
3: we beat Nebraska? Oh, okay, well, let's talk after this year. Let's yeah. let's see what happens this year, Iowa guy, because it, it's changing up here in Lincoln, and everybody knows it. Iowa fans can talk all the smack they want. But they don't have a spring game because they wouldn't draw. I mean, and it, it doesn't look good for the recruits. Exactly. Where Nebraska is in a different deal.
2: Yeah, Nebraska has ninety thousand people in the stadium for their spring game. Sold out in what twenty four hours or whatever. And I don't think
3: Wisconsin does one either because kind of the same deal. Well,
2: I think they are having one. Um,
3: like a Friday night yeah. one, though, right?
2: Well, no, I, I think it's it's this weekend, and I, I want to say it's on it's on uh, BTN to go or or tape delay or, or whatever, but. But, yeah, I, I highly doubt that they have more than, you know, 10,000 people. I, I don't, I don't even know. Even Michigan I don't doesn't draw, draw more
3: than, like, 20 or 30 of no. theirs. Which, But the Michigan fan is a little bit more elitist. You know, they don't have – I don't know. It's a different fan base compared to, like, Ohio State, I think, when you kind of yeah, compare Or well,
4: Even, like, a Notre Dame. Like, they, they hardly sell their spring game at all. So, I mean, you just go down the list of the blue blood power – programs around the country no one even comes close to nebraska I mean, maybe there are a few in the south alabama that would Auburn, rival it uh, A&M. but you know that's that's kind of the, the part of the country that nebraska is rivaling with and so uh you know i get i get it why some programs you know especially if you're not getting anybody to come to the thing why have it uh for the risk of injury you know we've seen nebraska really have to kind of patchwork things together with I remember a year or two ago, they had, like, four scholarship corners available to, like, try and distribute <laughs> between two teams. And so, I mean, there's some, like, logistics that go along with it as far as, like, your roster is concerned that make them a little bit of an inconvenience. But, again, for Nebraska, that the spring game is one of the most special things about this program because it really highlights just how passionate and supportive – Uh, this fan base is and you know from a recruiting standpoint there may not be outside of the actual game day experience a better situation to show, showcase that uh, than, than that spring game. Especially now
2: that the recruiting cycle has been sped up so much and kids are wanting to make a decision early. Um, you know, they're wanting to, to have the recruiting out of the way before their senior season even starts. So what better way to, to get a feel for what it's like in the fall than to come to Nebraska spring game uh, that that's sold out. And Nebraska can kind of hang their hat on the fact that really no one else uh, compares with, with what how they do it. So uh, it's such a huge advantage and, and like you mentioned, Robin, all the other sports too. You know, whether it be basketball or baseball or you know gymnastics or even you know rifle or wh- whatever. I mean, uh, that's such a perfect
4: example to say this is what our faith rifle? Base is did like. Did you drop a rifle uh, in there? Yeah, uh, well, but I, I mean, I every- bet you they lead the nation in rifle attendance. They just hired a new coach, by the way. A new coach came <laughs> they, in. They did. Just jumping to a conclusion there. No, no facts. Yeah, no facts. I think the
3: challenge, though, and you know, it, it's. How much do you play your guys? Because you can't sandbag this deal. Like, a a lot of teams like TCU canceled their spring game. Mm -hmm. Iowa's not having one. Um, A lot of people have just gone to sandbagging it altogether because of the injuries or they don't want to put themselves on TV to show film of what they do. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why. Um, But for Nebraska, they can't do that. I mean, they've got to put on some sort of a show. For 90,000 people. I mean, it would just be a disservice to the fan base that have shown up mm-hmm. to do this. So. How much do you play, Adrian Martinez? What do you do with some of these other key guys? Because a number of guys, Robin, you can go through. I mean, some of the guys that we know that won't be in this game for sure. Obviously, Nick Henrich mm-hmm. out for uh, extended period of time with his shoulder, but there's going to be a lot of key guys not playing Saturday.
4: Oh, yeah. I mean, JD Spielman, I'd be surprised if he plays. Uh, obviously, Maurice Washington's not going to play. Uh, Wandale Robinson's not going to play. And so, I mean, all kind of the, the big names that people would want to see are probably going to play at most a series or two. And again, that's something that as a fan, you kind of got to acknowledge that Yes, this is a big event for you, essentially, but uh, there's also a, a season to worry about. And the last thing you ever want to do is get a key guy like that to get hurt and jeopardize his playing time in, in any shape or form. So, you know, they're going to put those guys out there. The quarterback shouldn't be in no contact, and I guarantee you <laughs> Janander is going to yell at those defensive players <laughs> to stay the heck away from Adrian Martinez, let him complete some passes, whatever, and then get him out of there, and then maybe you can go you know, put, some, put a little more heat on uh Noah Vedrill.
3: Matt Masker, take the green yeah, jersey Matt off. Matt
4: Masker. Poor, poor Matt Masker. <laughs> <The> sacrificial lamb. <laughs> well, remember,
3: speaking of all-time great spring game stories, Joe Daly, I mean, they were just, I don't know, I mean, he's a great guy, by the way. I'm not saying anything bad about Joe, but they were trying to process him or get yes, him out of here.
4: Uh, threw him to the wolves. And Bill
3: Callahan put him on, like, the team of all the third-string guys, and they were running, like, stunts and
1: yeah, twists up and like, blitzes. engage
4: eight blitzes. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, they, it, threw,
2: they threw everything at Joe, yeah, Joe Daly, Daly in, the spring in that game. makeshift offensive line oh, that he was had, terrible. It
3: would, and he was the starter. I mean, he was the starter the year before, and they put him on like the scrub squad just to get killed by well, character. Wasn't and, it
2: after that that uh, spring game where he he's, called out Callahan? Yeah, he called him Billy C, the and puppet master. Puppet master, Billy
3: C. He was he he he, well, he was gone. Time. He was gone pretty quick. Yeah, but, but he knew he was gone. He had Zach Taylor, and he had a sane version of Harrison Beck that he thought at least coming in at that point yeah. and. Uh, but yeah, it was that was, I mean, there's always lots of good spring game memories. I mean, I, I think in general though, you got to give Steve Peterson credit for making this thing what it became because the very very first spring game he was involved with was '04, and he brought back every single Husker in the NFL, every one of them. They paid for them, they put them in the embassy or wherever, fed them, and they did this like huge introductory thing with all 27 or whatever it was guys. And that was like, it ramped it up a notch. I mean, I can remember the 02, the 01, my early spring games, calling those games on KRNU and the crowds. I mean, it was okay, but there was just not a lot of pop. Peterson made that thing a show, and I know he did a lot of things wrong, but he's the guy that probably built this thing up to what it became to kind of get the fan base more engaged.
2: Yeah, there's no question about it. I think that um, it went from being just a practice – that was still a lot of people would want to go see and, and get a glimpse of, of football in, in the middle of spring, but it went from being like that to being an actual production and uh, to being, you know, the event uh, of the spring that, that you had to go to. Um, it, and so you, you do have to give him a lot of credit and and it turned into a huge recruiting tool that I think that's when and Tim cassidy and Tim too. cassidy did a, you know did a, a terrific job of kind of capitalizing on that and everything but uh but yeah we, we use the spring game as as a huge recruiting tool um, and, and still
4: you know even today that's what it is you mentioned that <laughs> the first Bill Callion spring game remember the very first play yes. you know there was all that build about the, the shifting West Coast. like three guys shifted at once pre-snap and there was like a gas in uh, uh, memorial stadium <gasps> the west coast well callahan was also the first
3: guy to get the spring game on tv yeah um, because this is pre-big 10 we were in nebraska's in the big 12 he somehow got the nfl network to air the nebraska spring game going into the 07 season so um, sam keller was on nfl network and they they taped delayed it but that was i mean somewhat of a big deal i mean nebraska got their game on tv and I remember I was sideline reporter that year for Husker Sports Network, and Joey Gans played against Kansas in that game. And there was no film on Joe Gans. And KU's sideline guy was telling me that they had to watch the NFL Network broadcast of the spring game to get a better read on Joey Gans because they had any film on the guy. Um, but, yeah, I mean, so there is some – when spring games are on TV, don't kid yourself. Every film staff in the country is going to yep. break these things mm-hmm. down. And, I mean, Bob Diaco ran 4-3. Well, they never ran a 3-4. <laughs> no. I mean, it was whatever they ran, it yeah. wasn't a
4: 3-4. Despite all the claims. But, yeah, I mean, and the Frost is going to try and make it look like football. So, you're going to just see a very simple, pared-down offense. They're going to try and put on a little bit of a show early with the starters. Get those guys out as soon as possible. And then, I imagine, by the third and fourth quarter, it's – you know, it's gonna be about as basic as it gets. Let the clock run and and just kind of get out of
2: there without any injuries.
3: All right. When we come back, we are going to talk more spring game and delve into some of these storylines to watch on Saturday. That's next. You're listening to Husker online show.
0: You're listening to the Husker online show, your authority on Nebraska athletics.
3: Um, The biggest thing with Nick is um, we're going to be smart with him. He's got a really good future ahead of him. So we're going to be really smart. And the, uh, the new shirt rule helps out everybody. This this case is no different where if he's not ready to go at the start of the season, um, we can be really smart when we use him. And, you know, if you use him for four games, he still gets the shirt year. So we'll be really smart, and we're going to have his best
1: interest in mind when those decisions come.
3: And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, Robin Washett here as we get you ready for Saturday's 1 o'clock red-white spring game that can be seen live on the Big Ten Network. It's also sold out. Um, so if you want to get a ticket, sorry guys it's uh, I'm sure you can get some outside or, or whatnot they'll probably have some scalpers or people trying to unload some some tickets to the game but you just heard Barrett Rude, Nebraska's inside linebackers coach talk about the injury to Nick Henrich and it's been a relatively healthy spring and I say that in the sense of major injuries there's there's going to be the hammy the ankle that we don't want to over risk anything with Wondell Robinson type stuff but the Hinrich one is probably easily the most significant one that's come out of the spring. Um, it's a torn labrum. Those generally are four to six months. Um, so, you know, he, he, he's he got the flexibility. You heard Barrett Rude there that they could try him next year if they want to, but he's got the redshirt rule, and it worked out last year with Honus where he was able to play four in redshirt. Um, so Hinrich has got some options, but no doubt a, a setback.
4: Yeah, I mean, especially given the depth issues. They have a linebacker, particularly inside linebacker. And so he was on track, I think, to to be a factor right away uh, had he been able to stay healthy. And so obviously that further pushes the need for guys behind him to step up, and they're going to count on some even less experienced somehow uh, guys to you know fill that void uh, with an already thin ro- uh, rotation so uh, you know certainly disappointing but again with that red shirt rule that is such a huge advantage it should have been done a long long time ago to where not only is he going to be close to being ready for the start of the season you can be extra cautious with him and go you know a month and a half later and still get your four, four games of playing time which will be extremely beneficial for him you know in his development going forward well yeah i, I think that's the most important
2: part i mean even if he's not ready or officially cleared until you know october or whatever he could still get some get on the field and and uh, get some experience under his belt heading into uh, the you know next season without really burning a year of eligibility there, so uh, that's a big deal. But you you, you hurt for him because he, he does extra work to graduate early and, and to get both on him campus. and Hickman. Yeah, both those guys. And and now Hickman had a had a shoulder um, you know cleaned up, or I'm not sure exactly what the the issue was there, but he had kind of a lingering thing from the season that that's really held him out of spring football. And then and then Hinrich is coming off of uh, a, you know a knee injury. That he suffered in the season gets healthy and is doing well. Um, you know, Barrett Rood said he was he was coming along really really well, and then all of a sudden, you know, has the shoulder injury. So uh, you feel for him a little bit, but um, you know, thank thank goodness for that red shirt rule.
3: Let's talk about other storylines now as we get ready for this game. And I, I, you heard Coach Frost say this on Wednesday that the starters are going to have a they're all going to essentially be on one team and their play is going to be somewhat limited. So you almost have to size this game into two games. But It's almost like an NFL preseason game, Robin, when you have the starters in. If you're like a beat writer for for an NFL team, which we'll pretend you're a Giants beat writer right now, mm. you're going to
4: be already. <laughs> a man can dream. Yeah. I'm just kidding.
3: I mean, you, you kind of look at the efficiency of, of what the starting groups look like. And then I think when the lower units are in, you look for a flash. Mm-hmm. I think you look for, ooh, I like that. I mean, I think that that's kind of how I'm going to go into this game Saturday.
4: Well, sticking with the Giants, I remember a few years ago, and this was actually documented on Hard Knocks when they are doing the Jets, there was a game when Victor Cruz just came out of nowhere and caught three touchdowns against the Jets, and, like, they have Rex Ryan saying, who's this guy? That's the type of thing that you're looking for in a game like A this. Brandon
3: Riley-type deal. Right. A Stuart, exactly. Stuart Bradley had a legendary one. Like, he yeah. was running threes in the um, – I don't know if it was the Oth- the 03 spring game. Pelini's, I'm getting old. I can just drop these 03 bombs. like I'm talking like a Mike Babcock here. Um, but, yeah, Stuart Bradley was one that jumped out. That's what I want to see when these lower units – I mean, Joey Johnson's a guy like that. Exactly. Um Yes.
4: Yeah, especially at those positions where depth is an issue. I mean, there's going to be some running backs that are going to get that maybe wouldn't otherwise get nearly the amount of touches as they're going to get. They're going to be getting a huge workload. Like uh, Moses Bryant. Yeah, or yeah. Jalen Bradley. Or, you know, guys that we've been waiting, you know, almost several years to hear about. Uh, they're going to get thrown in the spotlight. And the receiver is another big, big one. Big Brody belt feature day. Exactly, exactly. And with the, after J.D. Spielman, especially with him, probably not even playing in the game, uh, which one of those receivers is going to step up and make the plays that they're going to need them to make this season? Yeah, show me something. Who's going to stand out? You know,
2: it's like when you're watching... When you're watching a recruiting film on, on a kid who plays against a lower level of competition, uh, does he dominate like, like he should? You know, he's obviously the, the best player on the football field, but is he acting like it? And and so uh, you want to see some guys go out there and, and dominate and, and, you know, basically prove their worth, you know, that, that they deserve a, a look in the fall or deserve a look to, to get more snaps, uh, you know, when it really matters next next fall.
3: Something else, guys, to watch closely, too, is after this game happens, I mean, most of the spring games in the country are done the major ones i was talking to a nebraska official about this today by about wednesday next week it's just going to be a flood of names in the transfer portal Mm -hmm. and it's going to be interesting and i didn't realize this nate but if you put your name in the portal at that point you release your rights as a player so like if a lower guy let's just put, put a name in there caleb lightborn puts his name in the portal then at that point nebraska said all right we're not taking you back i mean that is one thing to watch. So if there's kind of a lower level guy they don't even care about, they can just, a scholarship guy, they can put it, he can go on the portal and then they can say, see ya, yeah. give me your playbook Good I luck. Mean, at that point. Yeah. Now, Andrew Bunch was a walk-on when he went on the portal. Then they put him on scholarship at that point when he came back, for the, at least for the semester. And he, I'm guessing Bunch, he gets one in the fall. But the portal thing will make next week. And by the way, I'm going to be on vacation. So I'm going to need some help uh, keeping your eyes on that stuff. <laughs>
2: okay we're well, gonna be wearing mickey mouse ears yeah exactly
4: yeah uh i i like the idea of the transfer portal in a lot of ways and i think for this particular reason it kind of just clears up a lot of speculation to where you essentially have a, a firm deadline of when you need to make a decision that um uh, you know if, if you're gonna wait until after that kind of cutoff point uh it's basically you know so long see you later there's no more debate about it so i, I mean i guess it not only provides opportunities for the players to kind of really evaluate their options it puts them in a database that's coaches that are maybe in a need for his particular position can filter it out. And you know have a better chance of being noticed uh, but it also allows the schools to kind of turn the page on their roster and start addressing needs that potentially could open up when spring ball finally comes to a close
2: yeah I, I like that the, the players have you know I guess a little bit more control over things here but at the same time it's going to be crazy I mean this is going to be I mean for so many years we've talked about college basketball and the number of transfers and, and that but college football is going to be right there if not you know um, you know, just as many transfers as college basketball. It, it's going to be pretty wild. Now you're going to start seeing guys who have played at, like, three different schools. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to become much, much more common. Well, and if
3: they can get waivers, I mean, the Tate yeah. Martell. Um, Justin Fields. Fields, Justin Fields type of waiver, yeah. Noah waiver, Noah Bedrill waiver. Noah Bedrill like, the first guy to probably get it. I mean, for.
2: At least he still, he had more of a case than, like, I, who what was Tate Martell's case?
3: Being a you-know-what. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, <laughs> I mean and that, and not if, a fan of Tate Martell.
2: Yeah, and I'm not, I'm not trying to say that he should, should or shouldn't have, but I mean, it, it's getting to the point now where everyone's getting a waiver. So why, I mean, it's almost wor- pointless to yeah. even have it. All I got to do is say you got your feelings
4: hurt, and yeah. then you'll get a Basically, waiver. Or, well, and I Jess
3: Shepard got one at Notre Dame for women's basketball mm-hmm. from Nebraska. I mean, they gave her an immediate one, and she helped Notre Dame win a national championship. So it's happening not just in football. Mm-hmm. We've seen it, but football and basketball are the big ones because there's so much money on the professional side tied up with transferring in players. Yeah. As far as how much money you can make in these two sports. Yeah.
4: I think it's inevitable that football will catch up with basketball. Maybe not to the extent because there's just so many more players that, you know, it's just so hard to keep tabs on that. Uh, But I do think that the transfer is just the wave of the future now. I mean, kids are not no longer patient to wait it out three or four years before they see the field. And when you have the opportunity to go play somewhere and play a lot, uh, I mean, I'm more leaning towards the advocate of, you know, the student athlete, um uh, even if it does create a lot of headaches and problems for the schools.
2: The the one thing that's interesting is, you know, I wonder if some of those guys that are kind of on the fringe, now that if you put your name in the portal like like you mentioned Sean that you kind of relinquish your
3: I mean, do you sp- tell a guy that or do you be like, "Okay."
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, why don't you test the waters?
3: And Jay Terry gets a text and <laughs> everything's out. That point. the code on your locker has been changed right away I you know,
2: i i wonder if some of those fringe guys maybe think twice about about doing it i mean Whereas, it, the money's a big deal for well, these yeah, guys absolutely it is and and you know that's you you have to consider that that stipend if if you're basically guaranteed a scholarship for the rest of your career and you're getting your stipend you're getting your school paid for and everything you, you're kind of living uh fat and happy you know
3: Well, Jalen Barnett and David Engelhop and Brian Brokop, I mean, those guys were smart. I mean, they they took the buyout package. I mean, I think they just kind of knew and (laughs) said, I'm out. I mean, they got the money. And, you know, and some of these guys, there's some guys on the current roster that probably could have done that that maybe should have done that. They're never going to play, but, you know, they can't. If they quit, they're off. They don't get the money anymore. So it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out, right? When we come back, um, Robin Wash, that's going to update us on basketball there's been so much going on we wanted to give robin more time but um this week with the spring game obviously um we had to size him down to one segment so we're going to try to cover a lot of basketball ground next you're listening to husker online show
0: this is husker online your authority on nebraska athletics
1: i i'd, I'd be flattered if there was comparisons because i think he's a he was a heck of an athlete, and he's a heck of a coach. I'll let other people draw parallels. I, I'm just excited to have him. You know, I, again, I, I was really good friends with Tim. I think he did some really good things here. and uh, But I, I'm also really excited about the future with Fred. And, you know, we're, we're going to be on a similar track trying to get these two programs to where they belong. And I can't wait to watch him work.
3: And we're back here on the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan and Robin Watcher. That was Scott Frost talking about, Fred Hoiberg and what he has meant to Nebraska and it was always a delicate thing because everybody liked Tim Miles and Scott Frost made sure to say that as I don't know if Tim Miles had an enemy in Lincoln. I mean, he was well liked and loved by all. It just didn't win games, made a change. And Hoiberg has been on the job now a little over a week. Robin, first of all, let's start staff. What's the latest as far as money, as far as everything, give us an update on kind of where things are at with Hoiberg and kind of assembling this coaching staff.
4: Okay. Well, as of Wednesday, uh, we obviously know Matt Abdelmasi is the first full-time assistant they hired, but, uh, sounds like Armand Gates is basically set to be, uh, one of the other, uh, one of the other three, uh, full-time assistants and he's going to be retained. And I think it's just a matter of working out his contract and kind of maybe restructuring salary or, or whatever it may be. Uh but he will be the probably the second, third time or third full time assistant. And then after that the big question is who will be the third guy? Um uh, you know, we've had a lot of names kind of get floated around, uh Cornell Mann from Missouri, Mark Shue from western Kentucky Um, You know, Hank Plona from uh, Indian Hills Community College are all names that we've heard, but none of them have gotten enough traction to where, you know, any of them look likely. Uh, They did bring in Bobby Lutz, uh, the former Charlotte head coach, uh, Iowa State assistant for uh, under Fred Hoiberg for a while. Uh, he's going to come in in a, kind of a new role as a special assistant uh, to to Fred Hoiberg. And, you know, obviously with Mark Boehm kind of being um, removed off basketball uh, in the athletic department, uh, that kind of opens up the, the flexibility to get creative. How much money are they paying loot? Have so they don't know. said? They have not said. Uh, it hasn't even been officially announced as of this recording of the podcast. But uh, it's basically all signs. We we reported this a few days ago that was going to happen. And uh, it's just a matter of, what exactly his roles are going to entail. I would envision it's going to be similar to like what a Matt Davison or Jared Lamprick does uh, with Scott Frost, kind of that middleman uh, between the athletic department and Fred Hoiberg who you know, helps not only on the court but definitely with some of the other stuff that entails with being a head coach uh, at a program like Nebraska. So uh, definitely someone that just to kind of help Fred along in the process you know, he's a, he's a guy that has 37 years of coaching experience. So he's seen it all. And so the big question now is who is going to be that third assistant. And right now it's just kind of rumors at this point and really not, nothing of substance as of yet.
3: And you mentioned Abdel uh, he's making $380,000. Um, that right now, Robin would be the second highest uh, salary here in the big 10 for assistant coaches right now, at least according to last year's numbers. Um, Ryan Payton or, Padone from Ohio State made three hundred and ninety five thousand. The next guy after that was Orlando Antigua at Illinois at three fifty. Then the next guy after that this past year was Kevin Brodus at Maryland three twenty seven. So kind of gives you an idea. I know we're used to football salaries, but mm-hmm. man, that's huge money for basketball. Three hundred eighty thousand. I mean, that's. Enough money to get guys to leave jobs.
4: There are I mean, not many people making over four hundred k. So when you're paying a guy at three eighty, I mean that's, that's
3: now Kentucky pays like don't they pay but that's Kentucky? And how much are the shoe companies paying yeah, those guys? Exactly.
4: So I mean that, that's a different different ball game. You're talking about compare Nebraska to Kentucky. Well, like
3: as far like Kentucky, does Kentucky have an assistant making a million?
4: Mm, I don't know that for a fact. I, I thought I'd heard that before, but didn't surprise me. And their coach is making eight or nine million. So uh, yeah, uh, but uh, as far as that salary is concerned. I know Bill Moose made the comment during Hoiberg's introductory press conference that there was a million-dollar pool for salary. And I was able to clarify, that is for the three full-time assistants. Yep, just the three guys. So it doesn't have anything to do with, uh, Lutz. with Bobby Lutz or uh, the director of basketball operations or any managers, video coordinators. It's just for those assistants. And Armand so will
3: probably make about the same. I can't imagine. He was, yeah,
4: he was around the $260, 250, 255. 250 mark. Yeah, so I would imagine it's probably, you think know, they a bump up to 300 k if they wanted. I don't know.
3: I mean, I think... In the situation like them they got the leverage over him. Like yeah. he didn't have a job, he wants to stay. I, got, I I bet you they just roll him over, and then they have enough. They have way more
4: money than to pay the other guy. Yeah, hire. I mean then then you're talking about some serious money. If that third full time assistant, I mean they could they could get a dude three fifty big time dude. You could pay close to three
3: fifty at that point, yeah, right? At least. So yeah, you could have two of the three highest paid assistants in the conference. Now recruiting, transfer stuff. I mean. We only have about four minutes left here, Robin. So I'll
4: I'll run it down real quick. So, as far as this weekend is concerned. Uh, They're going to have several official visitors. We're still waiting to get the full list, but two that we can confirm are Gervais Green, uh, the signee uh, from Western Nebraska community college. Uh, He's going to come at, he had a a really good in-home visit with Hoiberg last week. uh, Wanted to come back to Lincoln for his second official uh, since last fall, uh, because of the coaching rules, he's able to take a second visit. Uh, He he wants to make sure that it's still that family feel because basically it's a completely different team. Uh, from when he was here uh, back in the fall so I I think as long as that goes well uh, he plans to make a decision you know by Monday I think after that visit so about whether he's going to stick with Nebraska or open up his recruitment so kind of waiting on that the other one is Maurice Kalou uh, a transfer from Oklahoma State who you know didn't play a lot but was kind of starting to become more of a a fixture you know when he before he was dismissed at mid-season for apparently like riding around with a couple of his teammates and shooting out windows with uh, a pellet gun. (laughs) And so, yeah, uh, I don't know all about that backstory, but clearly Nebraska is not worried about it to the point where they're bringing in them on an official visit. So those are two of the visitors officially that we can confirm. And then I would imagine there's going to be obviously a few more like, uh, official visitors and also probably some unofficials, uh, that will make their way over. Uh, and then, uh, Hanif Cheatham is going to visit the weekend of the 19th through the 21st. He's a transfer from Florida Gulf Coast who was before that at Marquette and was one of Marquette's better players uh, for three years. And so, I mean, he's he could be a big-time uh, graduate, immediately eligible transfer that uh, is certainly going to be a priority. Uh, and then so there's obviously, you know, interest. Nebraska's been linked to a bunch of different transfers. So it's kind of not ready to – Report them just now, uh, at least in the short time that we have. But uh, as we would expect with Matt Abdelmasi's ties on the tr- recruiting transfer market, uh, Nebraska is getting involved with a lot of guys that are opening things back up right now.
3: And now, Robin, St. John's, Chris Mullen announced he's leaving. Um, some other shakeups out there. A lot of guys have either declared or put their name in the portal. I mean, do you think any of these St. John's guys with the connect, the natural connections – are a real possibility for Nebraska right now? It's hard to
4: say because, like, it seems like it's kind of an unwritten rule now. Like, especially if it's kind of an ugly breakup, Just for guys to take recruits or players from a team to their next school, it's kind of frowned upon. I mean, but obviously with the head coach that left. There's precedent. So, yeah, I mean, keep in mind, Matt Abdelmasi was the recruiter at St. John's. Chris Mullen did not do any recruiting. He was basically hi, I'm Chris Mullen. welcome to St. John's. Like, that I was played here role. in the 80s. Yeah, exactly. And so like Matt Abdelmasi <laughs> was the guy that brought all of those players to St. John's. And so, I mean, I mean he knows those guys as well as anyone, so you can't rule it out. Uh, clearly there's relationships there. Uh, one guy that immediately jumped out was Cam Mack, who is rated one spot higher than Gervais Green uh, in the junior college 2019 rankings. He's at number two, Green's at number three. He was a St. John's commit who just reopened his recruitment He told uh, Zagsblog.com with Adam Zagoria that, quote, I'm not going to Nebraska. So if you want to take him for his word, fine, but he was one guy that was immediately linked that doesn't appear to be set, and I would imagine that it's going to be unlikely that a lot of those St. John's guys follow him, but again, I wouldn't rule it out. What's
3: the number, if you know the number, how many new 2019 offers went out? What's the total number?
4: Not a lot for 19 uh, as far as offers. I mean, the, the reports are just interest. Nebraska's showing interest. in the, Kicking so, the tires, basically. Yeah, yeah. And with the transfer market, you know, I mean, kind of you don't really need to extend an offer. You basically just express interest, gauge uh, what the response to that interest is, and then start setting up visits and yada, yada, yada. But uh, only a handful, really, uh, at least some of the guys that we know about. And I'm sure that there's some that haven't been reported yet that will probably be on campus here in a few days, but uh, I mean, I think a lot of the work as far as extending offers, you know, on Saturday, they dished out seven different offers to two thousand twenty one and even twenty two and some two thousand twenty guys. Uh, so they're already getting a jump start on future recruiting classes while still trying to get the work in to put a team together for next year.
3: All right, well, that wraps up the basketball talk. I know next week, Robert, will have more time to, to dedicate uh, towards who. Two segments. Two, you want two? Yeah, you're fighting. You're <laughs> fighting for your time, man. I respect that, but if we come back, we're going to give Mike Wheeler some time. I don't know why we're going to do that, but we're going to uh, give wheels some time here. We'll take his qu- questions in the mailbag. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show.
0: This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska
1: athletics. He's been doing well. You know, I'm pleased to report our team in the spring had the highest GPA um, since we've been keeping track of it as a football team. We had over a three-point GPA as a team. Uh, He was part of that. He's been doing well in school. Uh, But there's a lot of guys that deserve credit for that. Um, Overall, I think Maurice has done a a good job trying to stick to the norm. And in what practice he has done, he's looked good. So uh, we're just going to sit back and, and let the process play out and see where it lands.
3: And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. That was head coach Scott Frost kind of giving his latest on the Maurice Washington situation as that's an ongoing deal for him uh, in in terms of of the court situation uh, moving forward. But now it's time to bring in Husker Online intern Mike Wheeler as we're going to take your questions here in the mailbag. Mike, what do you got out of the gates this week?
5: All right, so looking ahead here to the spring game, what are you looking to see from the secondary? And uh, who do you think will stand out among the safeties?
3: Yeah, right now the safeties, Deontay Williams and Markel De Smuk, um are the the top two coming out of the spring. And obviously there's going to be some other guys in. We did learn an interesting piece of the puzzle. Noah Paula Gates will not be a safety coming in to Nebraska. He'll come in as a corner, probably more of a nickel type guy. Um, but I think DeSmuke is somewhat, I don't want to say a surprise. He was a four-star recruit, but he just hasn't done much at this point. Um, but the corners are so established. I don't know if there's much intrigue with this you know Boodle and, and, and Lamar Jackson?
4: I think the one thing that we can watch is uh, the, the playmaking ability of that secondary. I mean, that was kind of the one thing that gradually got better last year, but at, th- at this point a year ago, their just inability to hold on to the football for interceptions was a real concern. To where like the coaching staff, Travis Fisher particularly, was voicing his frustration uh, after almost every practice that. They're getting their hands on footballs, but they're not catching them. And so, you know, we've heard that some good reports. Lamar Jackson, I think, had four picks the uh, three-quarters of the way through spring ball. Uh, you know, Boodle had one. And so I want to see, are those guys, you know, finally playing with that, uh, you know, the whole no fear of failure motto? You know, are those guys taking chances on balls? and Are they going to make those game-changing interceptions that kind of is such a hallmark of this defense? Yeah, didn't Boodle have, like, 17
2: pass breakups last yeah, year? no picks. Yeah, no picks. I mean, that's incredible. So, yeah, you want to see them – uh, kind of intercept the football yeah. and, and create those turnovers. I, to me, I, I'm intrigued by Cam Taylor. I mean, mm-hmm. he is very talented, uh, but versatile like in, guy and versatile. I mean, he's been working at every position: corner, nickel, dime, safety. I mean, and he. And Travis Fisher said, I feel comfortable putting him anywhere on the football field at any point in time. So uh, I think they've got some some decent depth there as far as the safeties go. I think Deontay Williams is to me is the guy that I'm I'm really expecting a, to kind of have a breakout season.
5: All right, so sticking here with the spring game, uh, I think we're going to probably see quite a few younger guys on there. So with that being said, uh, who will be your spring game offensive MVP and defensive MVP?
3: Well, I think you got to almost break it up into two different sections because you're going to have the starters together, and then you're going to have a bunch of third-unit guys for a lot of the game. So I think when you're doing MVPs and that type of stuff, you almost got to break it down who's going to look yeah. the best. I think Darian Daniels of the guys that are coming in, is going to intrigue people the most of anybody on the defense. Um, On the offensive side, man, Andre Hunt, I think, has been a pleasant surprise that most people didn't see a lot of last year.
4: Yeah, I mean, Andre Hunt was probably going to be one of the first guys I mentioned because that was as big of a question as anything was who else besides J.D. Spielman would emerge in that receiving core. And according to Troy Walters earlier this week, he said Andre Hunt has made as big of, if not the biggest, jump uh, of any of those wide outs uh, this spring, and he's finally starting to have, play with that consistent consistency that allows his ability to kind of follow suit. So I would imagine, you know, he would have a big game. And really, as a whole, that receiving core is probably going to be one of the more intriguing things to watch uh, on Saturday because of, you know, just the questions that still remain there. I mean, are, how many of those guys, whether it be Andre Hunt or Jerron Woodyard or Cade Warner or, you know, go down the list, JV McQuitty, are those guys ready to step up and fill that void where, you know, they need some guys to step up? And how close are they to being the type of unit it, uh that Nebraska's offense needs them to be. I would generally go
2: with a quarterback or, or running back. I think we know what Adrian Martinez is. <laughs> running backs are so thin I I do. I think you have to go with Andre Hunt or or uh, Jeron Woodyard for me as, as far as offensive MVP. I
4: didn't actually give an answer. So my <laughs> my answer is going to be Brody Belt for your uh, offensive MVP. And then I'm gonna go Colin Miller Defensive MVP. I think he's going to get a bunch of tackles.
3: Here's the cheesy answer. The crowd will be the MVP.
4: The day. Husker Nation. (laughs)
3: All right. Taking your questions in the mailbag with Husker Online intern Michael Wheeler. Do they call you Michael ever? Oh, my mom does. All right. We'll call you Michael (laughs) right now. What do you got next, Mike?
5: All right. So heading over to JUCO. Uh, Now that Coach uh, Jeff Sims has moved on from Garden City, Who is uh, Nebraska's first call among those JUCO coaches uh, if a Husker recruit doesn't qualify?
3: Nate, it should be Scott Strohmeyer, but what do you think? Yeah, well, I I
2: I do think Iowa Western has got to be right up there. and and, (laughs) We've been kind of beating that drum forever. that you know, Nebraska needs to create a relationship with Iowa Western. Uh, you know what's going on here, and it didn't happen under uh, Bo Pelini. It didn't really happen under Mike Riley. Uh, well, Mike Riley didn't even recruit, recruit JUCOs, but um, and, and, Sean
3: Icors didn't really allow it.
2: Yeah, and then we know that uh, we know this staff has has been probably in contact with Iowa Western more than any other staff has been. But now that Sims is out of the picture, I think another another place you have to look at is Highland Community College. That's that's the the JUCO that um, uh, Ryan Held was the head coach at for a while. And they've got some Husker connections on that staff. Yeah, I know that uh, there are there, – I think it's their offensive coordinator or quarterback's coach. Uh, Judd Remmers is from Nebraska. Um, and then you've got Kyler Reed on that staff too, former Nebraska tight end. And, uh, you know, we've seen some of their players visit. The Huskers actually got one guy coming in on a official visit this weekend so and jakeem green so I, I would say between highland and um you know iowa western those are probably the top two
3: choices right now taking your questions here in the mailbag what do you have next mike all
5: right so uh, uh xavier betts is actually currently ranked by rivals as the 46th overall recruit in the country will he be nebraska's highest rated recruit come national signing day
3: uh, you know i had this fear nate and tell me what you think on this that he's going to be maybe one of those guys that drops a little bit. Unless he goes, and he's right now signed up to go to like the Rivals camp and the opening and those things, I think if he can go to some of these national events and get into a Rivals five-star challenge or get into a Nike opening, that's where he's going to solidify and hold that spot.
2: Yeah, but at the same time, he hasn't gone to any Rivals camps or anything like that, and he's still ranked this high to begin with. So to me, I think the – the one thing that that may you know cause him to slide a little bit is is if he doesn't have as productive of a senior season, or you know if if they kind of factor in uh, his potential academic status uh, going forward. So I, I I do think you know a lot of it obviously kind of is determined on you know how many uh, how many other top ranked guys Nebraska gets you know I, I could see a situation where if Nebraska lands a guy like Turner Corcoran where he shoots up and maybe even approaches five star status and, um, you know, obviously, you know, be ranked in the top 20, top 25 guys. And he are, will
3: – Turner Corcoran will go to, like, the St. Louis. I mean, he goes to everything. Yeah, yeah. And like, he'll be there.
2: Yeah, he's he's not a guy that, that uh, you know, is, is afraid of, of competing. He, he always puts himself out there. So, um, yeah, I, I think that there's a, a good chance that, that Betts is the highest ranked guy, but at the same time, I, I think there's going to be a couple other commits that end up kind of challenging him for that position.
3: All right, you got time for two more, Mike. What's
5: next? All right, so on Wednesday uh, – Head coach Scott Frost uh, made it known that there was that injury to Nick Heinrich. Uh, so what are the chances that, with that injury, that Jackson Hanna ends up on the two deep this fall?
3: I think the chances are pretty good. Um, I mean, I, I think it's really, is he better than Joey Johnson? I mean, that, that's probably what it comes down to today because Muhammad Berry, Colin Miller, and and Todd Honus um, are, are all Will Honus. Will Honus. Well, God, the, the, the two Honuses <laughs> on the roster, yeah. uh, Honus. Those three, I think, are pretty set and i would say today right now joey johnson who was mvp of the shrine bowl a year ago would be right in that two group two group and can hannah come in and elevate and, and joey johnson's good i don't think people realize he's a guy that probably should have gotten like a wyoming offer i mean our friend dan jackson they didn't even offer him at yeah, south dakota that's, state that's which is head scratching after watching the the shrine bowl um, so he's a good walk-on guy maybe one of the best walk-ons right now on the defense and that will be the battle, and I think Jackson, Hannah, Nate, and you can attest he's he's a good he's going to come in and, and give it a go.
2: Yeah, he's he's really really talented, and and he's played a high level of football too. He's not it's not like he's coming in you know playing Nebraska Class B ball. He he plays in a in a league where he's going against SEC type talent week in and week out. Um, you know maybe one thing that hurts him a little bit is that he's not on campus already. But he kind of he has all the tools. I, I think that uh, you know, there's a very good chance that he ends, he ends up on the two deep and sees some time this season.
4: Well, and to Joey Johnson's credit, I mean, his name has been brought up, you know, not even prompted by Barrett Roode and Eric Janander as a guy that's really impressed. And obviously that has to do with just the opportunity he's getting with the lack of depth they have at inside linebacker. But again, like Sean said, they're, they're he's a player that they really like. And I think that, honestly, he's got a legitimate shot to work his way into the rotation in some capacity. Special teams, for sure. For sure, so for actually. sure. I mean, he's going to play. It's just a matter of how much and how much on defense he actually gets to see the field. Oh,
5: okay, final question, Mike. All right, so with the spring game being this Saturday and spring ball now coming to an end, do you guys have any plans afterwards? You know, What are you going to be doing with your lives here?
3: We're going to be taking a little family vacay. Uh, we usually do it in July, just because if you like work around in football, you have to get married in July. Um, you have to do your vacations in July. This year, it worked out with Easter and my daughter's school, my wife's school. We're going to go to Disneyland in California um, and burn through some Marriott points and go out there and enjoy um, four days in Disneyland. So. Wish me luck uh, traveling with two kids. Um, we are avoiding LAX. Um, that's one thing Lunch. I've learned, of Nate Klaus. Traveling through LAX many times, that that would not be a place I'd nope. want to expose my children to.
4: Nope. I will be staring at my phone and uh, computer, uh, watching Twitter, you know, follow the recruiting offer. Uh, for, new offer. Yes, new offer, new transfer. They're showing interest in this guy. Yeah, because uh, recruiting has just gotten going for Nebraska, and the, the live period is going to start up here at the end of the month. So, uh, be busy, it'll be very busy. So, uh, hopefully, get a trip in there at some point. Yeah, I think you and I need to throw
2: some tweet deck parties here, Robin, because I'm going to be doing the same thing with uh, the spring evaluation period starts on the 15th. So all the coaches are going to be hitting the road uh, for the next what six, seven weeks through the end of May. Um, you know, seeing seeing all their top 2020 guys offering new 2020 guys, 2021, even some 2022s, and so. Uh, yeah it's going to be a busy you know spring is always kind of the, the spring evaluation period is always pretty busy and they generally have some unofficial visitors coming in uh, you know during that during that stretch too so that's what I'm going to be doing
3: all right well that wraps it up for the mailbag Mike thanks for joining us this week thank you for having me all right when we come back we'll close the show with recruiting talk as Nate Klaus will get us ready for Saturday's red white spring game that's next here you're listening to the Husker Online Show You're
0: listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska Athletics.
1: Yeah, our fans are the best in the country, and I don't I don't know if it's close. I'm sure other people feel that way too, but when you're talking about a fan base that sells out the stadium here in 24 and 48 hours for a spring game, that's hard to match. I know there's other teams around the country with a few hundred people with their spring games and we're gonna have a full house. So it's a great opportunity for us uh, to showcase the type of support we have here and, and get our recruits a chance to see the, the stadium and how it looked on a Saturday in, in the fall. Uh, that, that's hard to replicate, not very many places are like that and, and we're happy that we have the type of support we do.
3: And we're back here on the Husker Line Show. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus. Final segment here as we talk recruiting. And like every year, Nate, really since 2004, Red White Spring Game has been really a 10-plus offer weekend for Nebraska in terms of offered visitors on campus. Really, though, the biggest storyline going in might be a new addition for 2019. Fill us in.
2: Yeah, so Jameen Green Is uh, is a four-star defensive lineman at a Highland Community College. Had committed to South Carolina, but has still not signed his letter of intent with the Gamecocks. So, kind of a similar situation to that of uh, of Desmond Bland with Nebraska, who is still technically on the commit list. And then there's you know a very very outside. Um, you know, shot that, that he could end up qualifying and still coming in. But basically it, it looks like that that's not going to happen. However, uh, with, with Green, you know, he has uh, – he had to take an online course – uh, you know, he had to take a couple different classes or something where uh, he, so he was going to be able to graduate. And it just so happens that the SEC is not allowed that those classes to transfer, which is shocking. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it really is. Um, this is not the norm. Uh, put that out there. You, generally, the, the SEC has has a, has a pretty, pretty, you know, pretty big loopholes to jump through uh, when it comes to these types of things. So anyway, um, you know, it uh, Nebraska was able to, to kind of get in on him. Uh, I mean, they're recruiting another couple players from Highland Community College. They visited for the the. And junior Kyler day. Reed's
3: there, right? Kyler Reed is there, former Husker tied into Kansas City.
2: Yep, and um, and there's a couple of, of Nebraska guys on that staff, and and Ryan Held was the the old head coach at Highland Community College too. So so there's some ties with, with the program, um, but you know they, they came up for the junior day and the visit went extremely well, and and they're going to be taking an official visit this weekend, and uh, and I, and I have just have a feeling that if things go well uh he could go ahead and and uh and pull the trigger and commit and that's big news for Nebraska I mean he's a he's a legit uh four-star player he can come in play play nose guard he could play defensive end you know he's he's pushing six five three hundred pounds uh very athletic guy and so um and he can be on campus basically as soon as he graduates from Highland Community College so and he's got three years to play too so even, you know, Nebraska brings him in. They could play him four games next year and decide, you know what, we, we need you to be in the weight room one more year and, and redshirt him and, and kind of, you know, with all the bodies they lose. And on we've the seen how that's running. worked out
3: with DeAndre Thomas. Exactly. I mean, it's helped him. I mean, where Tony Tuioti mentioned Thomas as a guy that's made a huge jump this spring, so that extra year, you're right, um, could go a long way. So that could play itself out by Sunday. Saturday.
2: Yeah, very well. Could um, you know? Now I talked with this coach, and, and there are a couple other schools that are trying to get him to visit. This will be his third official visit, so he's got two more you know in his back pocket to take. So we'll see what happens. But um, you know, I, I, I just have a good feeling. Um, you know, it, all signs are kind of pointing to this you know ending up uh, in Nebraska's favor.
3: Okay, give us a rundown. How many offered twenty and twenty-one guys will be here now? So
2: well, by the time things are all said and done, you know the the list is is kind of always in flux until uh, really right until kickoff. Uh, but I think there's going to be right around 15 offered guys on campus between uh, 2020 and, or really 2019, uh, considering Green, uh, through even 2022. I, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if there's a couple guys that, that make their way on campus that don't have offers that, that leave campus with offers. So um, there's you know, a lot of storylines to follow, but I think that uh, you know, you're know you going to have one 2020 commit in Logan Smothers on campus, and it's always nice to have your quarterback commit on campus around a bunch of other recruits, Um, you know, and this would be an opportunity for him to kind of put his recruiting hat on and, and, uh, you know, really do, uh, you know, give his best pitch to a lot of the players. But uh, maybe the the biggest name to, to really watch is Turner Corcoran. Who's the Rivals 100 offensive tackle out of Lawrence, Kansas? This will be like his tenth visit to Lincoln in the last year, Um, and it's interesting because he was trying to keep this visit a secret, and it leaked out. Another another recruiting service kind of put it out there, and uh, he wasn't all that happy that it got out there. But it begs the question: Why was he trying to keep this weekend's visit a secret? You know, so um, you know my read on the situation is that you know he's been saying he wants to make a decision before his senior year. But I think that he's getting closer to making a decision sooner rather than later. So um, He wants to
3: start helping a recruiting class out yeah. as far as helping get more guys in. and
2: Yeah, and so uh, I like Nebraska's shot – or I like their chances with him right now. I think it's Nebraska and Oklahoma. Which
3: K-State's is, the sleeper. I mean, he's been to K-State eight times. Yep. But, yeah, I just can't see him going there right now. I mean, there's this – they're two to three years away from even being back to maybe a respectable level yeah, at Kansas
2: State, and, and he does have a couple of teammates uh, that have committed to K State, so there's that kind of angle. But um, the little
3: fullback um, whose dad's from Omaha, well, D- Jacks Jack Danine. Yep. yeah, he's a fullback guy for Chris Kleiman now. So yeah, there's definitely a Lawrence Free, but yeah, it, that would be a big one. I mean, he's a, in terms of the surrounding 500 mile radius he's about as high as they are he's
2: he's ranked I think number 42 and overall in the country regardless of position and and he's like the number three or four offensive tackle in the nation so um other than that yeah other than that you know um no big (laughs) deal but uh but so that's he I mean he's one of the bigger names you know you have Jamar Sakona coming from California who's a uh, a big-time defensive tackle. Um, you know, he's he's the nephew of Helodi Nata. Uh, he's got a terrific relationship with Coach Tuioti there. Um, you know, and so he's somebody to really pay attention to. Um, of course, you have Xavier Watts out of out of Omaha Burke. I mean, this is a kid who uh, his recruitment continues to take off. I mean, he just landed an offer from Michigan not too long ago. Uh, he's taking unofficial visits to Iowa, Iowa State, Minnesota, Wisconsin. Um, you know, he's going to to Notre Dame. Um, he's talking about visiting Michigan so um, you know, I, I think that he's a guy that you've gotta to, to wrap up and, and this could you know, this this weekend's visit could go a long way in, in kind of making that happen. But um, you know, you got some guys from, from Arizona. I mean you got really from coast to coast you've got players coming in plus a good mix of five hundred mile radius offered guys. So I mean it's it's a really pretty solid group, especially when you consider the fact that there's over eighty spring games this weekend across the country. Everyone's
3: doing it because of the recruiting starts yep. and and you get seven I mean, we added it up, but, um, there's seven Seven weeks mm-hmm. that you get. So you only get so many days. It's like a certain amount of days divided by your whole staff. Yep. Um, but everybody wants to maximize the seven weeks.
2: Yeah. And one and um, you know, the, the next weekend or the following weekend is Easter. So, I mean, that's not necessarily. And then Memorial Day is one of them. Yeah. And, and so, um, you know, that's. Uh, this it just so happens that this is kind of the the ideal weekend to have it, but yeah from from between FCS and FBS schools, there's over eighty spring games across the country
3: and the ACT and the ACT and the St. Louis opening event.
2: Yep, the, you got St. Louis opening uh, plus not not to mention you know any other spring sports at, activity or track meets, baseball um, games, um, proms soccer are start, starting up. So I mean, there's a lot of. There's a lot of, uh, you know, things on the, on the docket that kids kind of had to schedule around. And so uh, all things considered, uh, this is a pretty darn good, uh, you know, spring game visitor list that, that we've been able to confirm so far. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if there's a couple extra, you know, surprise visitors that make their way to Lincoln.
3: Now, Nate, they have 13 official visits they could have used after signing day. We know Nash Hutmacher, who had a great visit to Lincoln last week and was one of them. How many now will they be? How many after this weekend of those 13 so, are left?
2: Uh, Green will be number, uh, number two. two. Yeah, he'll be number two. So they've got 11 to use after this weekend. Um, and you have to figure, you know, probably three or four, maybe grad transfers. up to five on grad transfers. I don't know. I mean, they've got three spots uh, that they could, uh, you know, realistically fill yet in this 2019 class. And so. Uh, but I, and, I, and they will probably use a couple in June on t- some 2020 kids and um, and I do think they would like to be able to to have a couple in their back pocket that they could roll over into next year's as well so
3: so you could you can get 56 or 54 you
2: get 56 plus you can carry as many as five over so then you could hopefully be at
3: 61. 61
2: ideally uh, you know heading into the 2020 cycle and then
3: they'll be in really good shape for the next year like that 13 is gonna be closer to 20 maybe hopefully because mm-hmm. It's still low. I mean, it's kind of been a catch-up game because of Mike Riley using so many visits before he got fired that yep. led to no commits where they've almost had about a 1,000 on their visit-commit deal. And so that will obviously get better each year.
2: Yeah, Ryan Held said this week that – Last year, I mean, they had to bat 80% on their official visitors, um, you know, to just because they had a lack of visits. And, and so and it has gotten a little bit better. Um, you know, they only had, I think they had two official visits uh, in their back pocket at the end of last year's cycle. And, and uh, you know, a couple of those, they went to grad transfer, um, you know, visits. And, and so now they, they have 13. They're, they're using a, a couple, but they'd like to ideally roll at least five over uh, to have a total of 61, the max 61 that you can use. All
3: right, it's going to be a very, very busy weekend in Lincoln. Obviously, red-white spring game, 1 o'clock here Saturday. Then Nate Klaus, Mike Mattia. Um, Brian Munson will have you updated on all the recruiting news from the weekend. We'll have full coverage of baseball at Penn State. And obviously anything with basketball, Robin Washett will keep you up to date. So make sure you log on to HuskerOnline.com.
0: Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.